Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Paul Norton podcast. Now, today's episode, I'm joined by an amazing guest all the way from Portugal, I believe, from Ireland, but living in Portugal. Today, I'm joined by Mary Jo, or other other known, known as, utterly known, Jesus, tongue twister today, as MJ Nutrition. Mary also has the Female Health Podcast, which again, if you're looking for anything to do with female health, it is an amazing podcast, so definitely go check it out. So without further ado, I really hope you enjoy this podcast, and always, as always, if you can, share, tag, like it, and we'll go from there. First of all, it's a um, pleasure to have you on, Mary. It's um, really good for coming on the podcast. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. So I guess like rather rather than me explain who you are, I always kind of just dive in and kind of do you want to explain who you are and like what you do and stuff? Fab, yeah. So uh, thanks again for having me on. Uh, delighted to come on and chat about everything that we're going to go through. But um, yeah, like my name's uh, Mary Jo or MJ Nutrition. Um, and I have started up MJ Nutrition over a year and a half ago. Um, and the, it kind of really just... Um, started to move into the area of focusing on female health um, based on I suppose, my own interests. I did my master's in personalised nutrition um, and from that I always knew I wanted to kind of work on female health in some regard. Uh, I suppose I have my own personal reasons for that as well, having PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome um, and it's always been something um, I'm really passionate about knowing more about um, and as a result then I just really wanted to learn everything about it and then as a result then I started to work with more and more female clients who had this condition um, and yeah so I, I mainly work with females with PCOS um, and also just any other hormonal issues as well so the likes of like debilitating period pains or PMS like so a lot of women think PMS is something they have to put up with and that's you know normal uh, it's not normal to have really debilitating PMS that like floors you for a week or even a few days and um, where you're just completely um, fatigue or have insatiable cravings all of that isn't normal it's common but not normal so I work a lot with that I work a lot with women again improving their relationship with food and uh, their mindset around nutrition educating them on how to actually eat healthy um, and yeah emotional eating would come into that as well and yeah that's pretty much kind of the areas I work with fat loss as well comes in with that but like anyone who works with me like my main focus is on educating them to have a more healthy lifestyle and how to eat well for their particular say condition or like PCOS or um, hypothalamic amenorrhea is another thing I work with when a female loses her cycle and so yeah educating them around that and then if fat loss is a goal I don't put it as like the main focus but like other behaviours and to help improve their quality of life and then fat loss can kind of come with a result and so they can still enjoy a good quality of life as well so yeah that's pretty much me who I am what I do uh, and how I work with my clients and yeah I hope that sums it up okay (laughs) probably yeah it's probably very similar to how I coach all my clients too is like the whole my whole thing is like trying to like use food for fuel because like we all know that for me, like my clients, it's about everything, it's about like mindset and like, you know, PCOS and like, I don't really focus on PCOS, but I do have like five or six clients with PCOS and I try to help them yeah. as best I can. Obviously PCOS goes into, you know, goes off into like different branches. So I guess from your yeah. experience, like what are the, what are the main kind of three or four main like PCOS and what way it goes, like three main types? Yeah, there's a few different types. The first thing I would say with PCOS before getting into the types is I think that there is a crossover in a lot of them. Like you're you're not just put into one box, basically. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of becoming a thing now where people are like, oh, what box am I in? And how do I fix it? And like, what exactly do I do when I'm in this box? And, and yes, it's good that we have different types and I will go through them and um, because it does help, you know, between different, um, it, it does help in a, in a way in um, getting to the root of the reason why you have it and what you can do to help support that particular type. But really, it's a metabolic issue at, at, at the core. There's a, an issue with your metabolism. That could be due to, like, there's genetic factors involved as well, but your environment can trigger those genetic factors. So when I say environment, I mean stress, your diet, your 
your lifestyle that can open up that genetic box basically and start mm. triggering uh, that occurring so sometimes you could have genes that just lay dormant forever if the environment doesn't expose you to it but if we're exposed to an environment that like causes those gen- gen- genes to start you know we're opening up I'm going to say <laughs> to make it an easy turn and that will and um, that can give rise and condition and um, occurring but uh, when I mean a meta- metabolic issue I mean that like there's a reason that our cells are not responding to insulin which is one of the main factors or the main issues with PCOS and there's a reason that our say if it's stressed PCOS that our adrenal glands are not and um, are, are completely floored and not responding well and basically you know, you're pumping out cortisol and adrenaline to kind of get you through and that's ca- causing issues then with ovulation and so on. So yeah, like when it comes to the types of PCOS, what um, the main one is insulin resistance, um, which occurs in about 80% of the PCOS population. Um, and this one is when our cells, as I say, are not responding well to insulin. And again, you're not like, there's again, this could be a genetic reason, but like there's a reason this happens in that like it's not your fault as such but there's a metabolic issue this could be due to years of fad dieting and you know um restrictive dieting uh constant yo-yo exercise like exercising uh, without eating and um, beforehand so fasted exercise sessions things like that can be really um hard on the metabolism especially for females um, and if you then have a genetic predisposition towards PCOS you're just you know open up a can of worms there so what's happening is then eventually your cells become insensitive to this uh, insulin so insulin is pumped out from our pancreas uh, in response to eating food any food we eat uh, so the insulin is like the key that brings the sugar into the cells but the the key is not open the, the lock isn't opening up basically so it's not letting the sugar enter in so we're getting this abundance of sugar filling up in the bloodstream and, and it's not just it's not like obviously people tell you to go on low carb diets and um, and there's a reason for that it's because not to build up the bloodstream with sugar but the rate the real fat issue is why are our cells not actually responding to the sugar and not letting it in and that's what we need to look at more so than just looking at like a quick fix and going on a low carb diet so trying to actually make your cells more sensitive to the insulin and that happens when you actually start signaling to your body that it's more safe and nourished when you start to eat eat well for your metabolism, make sure it feels safe. So going to sleep and getting good quality nine hours sleep, you may need that when you've got PCOS. Not stressing your body out to the limit, like doing loads of hit exercise fasted because you think that's gonna help you burn fat. And um, not like pushing your body to the limit, obviously managing your psychological stresses as well. And then of course, what you do eat is really important, but it's really important that it's a nutrient, nutrient dense diet that has lots of vitamins and minerals as well. Like minerals like magnesium and potassium, vitamin K are all extremely important for cellular signaling and to allow those cells to actually let sugar into those cells. Um, so it's really important you're getting those nutrients from lots of good fruits and vegetables and not cutting out fruits because you've got P2S. You can have fruits. Um, but it's about how we eat our food as well so again like most coaches would advise I'd imagine having protein and carbohydrates together combined is how you eat carbohydrates eating carbohydrates on their own will cause your blood sugar levels to spike you'll get a rise in sugars you'll get a, um, a stream of insulin then secreted but then oh, you, this insulin isn't bringing that sugar into the cells so that's when it causes a problem you've got then high insulin levels high glucose levels in your blood which causes fat storage impairs ovulation causes high androgens which causes acne and um, excess hair growth and things like that so that's when the problem arises when you're just eating carbohydrates on their own and a lot of people think they're being really healthy when they have say a bowl of porridge with uh, milk and some berries and maybe a little bit of brown sugar or honey and like inherently there's nothing wrong with those foods but it's a completely carbohydrate based meal there's no protein in that so that's just causing a spike in blood sugar so it's very important that like when as coaches we educate clients the way to eat is to manage blood sugars uh, to manage your insulin levels and support their metabolism better so the protein and carb combination together allows the, the protein with the carbs allows the cells to utilize the carbohydrates more efficiently um, and also the proteins 
doesn't cause a big sharp rise in blood sugars. So we get a more stable um, blood sugar balance basically throughout the day, which reduces cravings, reduces that hangriness that you get, lowers then the testosterone and androgens which cause those horrible PCOS symptoms like excess hair growth and acne um, and, and impaired ovulation and all of that. So yeah, that's the main one that I, that I see the most often. Um, and to be honest with you, regardless of what type you have, eating for your metabolism, eating a blood sugar balanced diet, protein and carbs, and a little bit of fat is the approach really for all types of PCOS because it's basically signaling satiety, nourishment, safety and that's what the body needs in a condition like PCOS so it can get to a place where it wants to ovulate again and it feels nourished enough to do so so that would be number one so I'm sorry that was a really long tangent on insulin resistant PCOS <laughs> well, I just was just, just quick one on that then what so what's your um so obviously if I've got some clients with the same and what is your the whole concept around obviously like resistance training and like your body becoming more insulin sensitive when you're doing like like of resistance training 100% yeah like the exercise that you do really matters especially with insulin resistance PCOS and um, so resistance training is highly proven now to like support fat loss and um, it increases your muscle mass the more muscle mass you have the more sensitive your cells are then to the insulin and um, because fat, loss, fat cells are not as sensitive to that so uh, we the, we want to build more muscle basically in that case so the more that you do that the, the less insulin resistance you will have the less your the less insulin that will be floating around your blood basically and causing fat storage and causing all those other issues like um impeding ovulation and excess androgen so a hundred percent like starting with uh, resistance training uh, alongside a blood sugar balanced diet will be the first two things i recommend to any client who's got particularly insulin resistant pcos or fat issues with losing weight with pcos and that would be what I would advise them to do. And then, you know, uh, walking just for cardio is nearly just as good. Just a nice walk on the other days that you aren't doing resistance training. So three to four resistance training sessions a week. And then the rest could be just a good walk uh, just to get some steps up movement. And um, again, you're not stressing out the body too much as well. And um, hits can be good as well. Like, you know, but not like hit sessions shouldn't be done like in a 45 minute class hit was designed to be a short interval do you know what i mean so shorter intervals of hit can be beneficial uh, also not recommended to do fasting as i've repeated but it's very stressful on the body the thyroid it really stresses out your thyroid which is a big master organ gland of our metabolism in general so we don't want to be kind of stressing that out anymore so that's another um, reason not to do that so uh, i always recommend trying to have something before a session before especially a hit session Yes, and that's, that's one thing that I, like, for my clients is that with PCOS and resistance, that's been the biggest thing for me is that, like, if I get my clients to maybe look at a low GI count and, and mainly base their carbs around, like, their activity levels, that's, that's for me, like, that's proven my clients. Yeah. Like, so if they're working out at 9 a.m., you know, they might have their protein and carbs before and after workouts, and then the rest of the day, then they'll try to have more protein and fats. And that to me is like their whole mood. Everything has just changed so, so much because I kind of, the way I explain it, my client is that, you know, imagine you have a, you have a train and like your train is, is, is obviously the blood carrying your sugar levels around the body. But then if you're mm -hmm. insulin resistant, like that train is full. So with my client is like that, when they work out, then, you know, when you work out, when you have your carbs, either side of your workout, you know you're working out you're putting your muscle under stress you're you're emptying the train and it means more kind of instant go into that train and, and go up the way and that's the best way i've kind of described it and it's it's yeah. it's worked really well for them but i suppose the biggest thing is like that like every female is going to be different and like when yeah. i i signed up to a coach recently i always kind of do this sign up to different coaches just kind of see what they're all doing and there was one fella here in, in australia and i signed up to him just for a challenge and i told him i had pcos and straight away, like he put me on a thousand calories, like it's it's absolutely it's crazy. And I was guilty of this, like I was did you know you were you obviously knew you were a male, did he? Or did he, did he no, I, I, or I did just, you put I in just, your female? I just had female, yeah. So I've, I've got oh, another I've got, I've got a Facebook there like that. I kind of just kind of do different people's stuff to see what they're doing. Um okay, but, right. but um it's just it's just good, it's, it's just good to learn as well and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. Um, 
like years ago when I first became a coach, I was guilty of this one client and I had her like on, you know, 1200 calories because I was completely like just naive. I was just kind of new to the scene. I was kind of, you know, Google and all this kind of nonsense. And then she's on 1200 calories and she wasn't losing weight or losing, nothing was yeah. happening. And because of that, like she ended up like just ha- getting really bad, like just mental health issues. And, you know, I put my hand up. Yeah. And I put my hand up and say that was my fault as being an inexperienced coach. But unfortunately, since that's happened, like none of my clients at PCS have never been in 1200. One client got down to 1200, but now she's back up like at 1800 calories because that's yeah. the best place is, as you said, the more I get my clients to build more muscle, it means their metabolic rate will rise normally because exactly, yeah. With Peace West, as well as you know, that you know, the stats will say that you know, your metabolic rate could, can go down to as low as 40%. But I think like so many coaches will take that like the Bible and they'll put on, they put people with Peace West on like a thousand calories straight away. And to me, like that's the worst thing you can do. For me, if I've got a client of Peace West, I'd rather have them at 2,000 calories and then just slowly like, you know, see what happens. I, I, so with all my Peace West clients, I, I have. Yeah. I'll get them to gain weight first and then we can kind of judge it. And although it's a bit, you know, weird gaining weight, at least then it's for me, like it's a lot more safer because then you've got a lot more room to play with. I think that's really good. I think at the start with PCOS, you may need to actually gain weight. Like it's kind of like the, to get, yeah, to kind of fix it, you know, maybe fix that metabolism. I know I'm not saying the metabolism is not broken. That's not, I'm not saying that at all because I know that's thrown around a lot, but it's like metabolic adaption. We're trying to get the metabolism to adapt. I can't say it either. It's like a tongue twister. Yeah, what I'm saying is so much. I'm like, well, um, but um, you're trying to get the metabolism, oh my God, now we're trying to metabolism (laughs) to adapt. Um, So yeah, like if, you doing that is actually like if you restrict someone to 1200 calories the metabolism is actually just going to get slower and slower oh, basically yeah. so do you know what i mean so it, it's really counterproductive and um, and like it's miserable for the client they're restricted they have a poor quality of life they feel crap they feel already segregated because they have a condition pcos they feel they can't lose fat they're on extremely low calories how can you go out at the weekend with that how can you have a social life you know it's really it's not not the way forward uh, whereas something like you saying putting someone on starting off with 2000 calories and letting them educating them on blood sugar balance mm. educating them on carbs educating them on insulin resistance and how to uh, do resistance training to manage that and then yeah perhaps they might gain a little bit at the start uh, while they're going through that process and learning but their metabolism isn't being completely blunted and like adapting to be a really slow a slower metabolism and shunted as such um, and eventually they'll actually get to a more a fat burning stage because you're creating a space for safety nourishment an environment for that which is what you're doing when you give them that amount of calories because the body doesn't run on thin air whether you've got pcos or not it doesn't 1200 calories is calories for children for toddlers you know your body requires food for fuel and we expect it to run on empty it just doesn't happen that way you know we wonder why we have the likes of low sex drive and low energy and, and fatigue and and um, cravings and acne and testosterone issues with testosterone you know we're not we're not fueling our body properly our body doesn't want to do that to us but mm. if that these are signs that we're not fueling our body optimally when it turns out like that so when we're getting these signs as such so it's a it's an opportunity for us to listen to it why we're getting these um, and not jump on the next band wagon diet or go on a low calorie diet addicted because it's just prolonging the inevitable and pushing it down the, the can further pushing the can down further oh 100 i think like it is Thing is getting a little bit better, but as yeah, there's so much like stuff being thrown out around, like you know, metabolic, you know, at that word, I can't get it whatsoever. But like, not <laughs> like your body is like, as I say, I'm alive, like your body is so smart. A lot of people think like that, yeah. you know, doing a quick fad that you can, you know, you can get rid of fat, like as on the live, essentially, your, your fat cells shrink, like they don't actually disappear, they all shrink, and your body's so your body's really smart. And like, yeah. I'm, I'm reading a book by a guy called Lane Norton. Um, don't know if you heard of him. He's over in America, BioLane. He's like okay. the godfather. He's like the American James Smith, like, but he's really like knowledgeable about oh, okay. stuff. But like, it's a really good book, like about fat cells. And like our body, as some says, like our, our body has like a set point in theory. So like your body has a set point where it needs to be. And like a lot of people do like, 
you know, a quick fad diet for like four weeks or 12 weeks, remember B. And they think that they've, they'll think by losing 10 kg, they've done really well. But all they're doing is like, you know, your fat cells shrink. But then as soon as you start eating food again, your body needs to get you back to that set point as fast as possible. And then mm-hmm. next time you try diet, it gets harder because your body's going to, it's going to resist harder. And then like, that's yeah. how people get like, it, that's how it leads to probably, you know, down the line of eating disorders and stuff because people, yeah, are, people yeah. are trying to do these quick binges but then they're not being educated like and that's one thing my clients i'll say like you know if anyone signs up with me like it's not for a four week or an eight week or 12 week it has to be like the bigger picture because you're not really going to be able to if you want to lose five kg like you have to it's not about losing five kg it's about like maintaining it and unfortunately Mm -hmm. like you can lose five kg in six weeks but it could take you like three and four months to maintain that way because you have to get your body used to it Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, agree with all of that that we were saying. And um, I think you were you asked me, before we got into this whole conversation. You asked me the different types of yes. GQS, so <laughs> I I, I want to go back to that yes. as well. And um, so that was the insulin resistant one, which is the most common one, and which like again, no matter what type you have, I would I would advise mostly the same like supplements may differ and things like that. That's where like the protocol might differ in terms of like the, the treatment as such. But really with my approach with any type, blood sugar balance and insulin resistance is really a good way forward. Uh, sorry, resistance training is a good way forward. And uh, then you've got like post-pill, like amenorrhea or post-pill PCOS. Uh, so this is kind of like if you have had a normal period before you went on the pill, you go on the pill, the pill stops you from ovulating, you stop making your own hormones, which is what it's meant to do, and it's amazing contraception and I have no issues with it as a contraception but it does not give you a, re- a real period it's a withdrawal bleed that you get from the drugs in the pill and um, so it's not the same you just you don't ovulate and it's really important to note like how ovulation is the most important part of the cycle the period is the result of ovulation really it's not um like that's the the pinnacle point, if you want to call it, of the female cycle is ovulation. That's when we make progesterone, which is an amazing hormone. Um, and you do not make that on any form of contraception. And the one that's in the pill is completely different to the one that we make ourselves. So uh, just a quick note on that. Progesterone is an anti-anxiety, um, anti-inflammatory hormone. So it helps with better sleep. It reduces your cravings. It, it's amazing for your skin, your hair, and your thyroid. And it's really important for mental health as well and bone health. And um, and then the progestin that's in the pill, it doesn't have the same benefits that, that our own progesterone offers. So that's why a lot of women on the pill notice they feel anxious and have more anxiety and mental health issues when they're on the pill. Not everyone experiences this, by the way, but some you we would find a lot of women feel more anxious on, on different types of pills. And that's because they stopped making their own progesterone. Um, and that's just that's a reason why for that um, and then obviously ovulation we make estrogen as well and estrogen is like your yang hormone boost your energy your sex drive and make your hair and skin look amazing um, it's really important for cardiovascular and muscular skeletal health and all of that as well so there's so many benefits to ovulation and why we must have it and I suppose we don't ovulate then as women after menopause so it's very important we're kind of I feel like making the most of it in our earlier years for the later years like to make for our bone health particularly uh, so that's just a note on that on the pill because I just have to say that um but post-pill amenorrhea or post-pill PCOS is if your periods were normal before the pill but then you come off the pill and then you haven't got a period for say six to twelve months afterwards and uh, that would be um post-pill PCOS and um, it's quite normal not to get a period up to six months anyway because you you shut down ovulation it's going to take your body a bit of time to kind of kickstart that communication again between the brain and the ovaries to actually start ovulating again um so that that's a bit normal after six months if there's still no sign i recommend getting blood done and looking to see what like androgen you may have an elevated androgen surge because again some pills shut down your androgen so your body like you said is really clever will have a, a mechanism where you know it kicks start some androgens again when you're on the pill and then when you come off it these androgens just shoot up six months later and so that's another reason that it can compare impair ovulation the main thing i would say is to be patient with this one because most likely it just takes a bit of time for your period to come back and adequate nourishment again blood sugar balance is very important there's certain minerals and that you may need more of like omega-3s and probiotic could be helpful for gut health 
and um, like the likes of zinc and B vitamins um, will be really important because these can be depleted when you're on the pill. So it's important that you're getting more of these from both your diet and you may need a little bit of support with a good quality multivitamin, for example, uh, to get those like meat that should be B vitamins, the ones that our body can use efficiently. Um, and then zinc citrate is really important for ovulation and helps the ovaries to ovulate. And then um, the gut can be a bit impaired with the, the pill as well. So supporting gut health with fiber, with whole grains, uh, pro and prebiotic foods, and maybe taking a probiotic supplement and getting essential fatty acids from omega-3s like oily fish, um, nuts and seeds, and maybe a supplement as well. Just maybe for the first three months. If you know you're coming off the pill, I recommend doing this before coming off the pill. Um, but uh, if you've already come off and you said I've got a period, you can maybe start looking into these um, types of supplements and diet as well um so that's post pill amenorrhea or post pill pcos and then the last two are inflammatory and adrenal or stressed pcos inflammatory kind of occurs it can occur alongside with insulin resistance because remember insulin resistance will also cause inflammation but in, inflammation as well um it's kind of like a what's the word two-pronged approach inflammation can also cause insulin resistance so there's a, a bit of a um yeah, they're both working with each other there. But uh, in inflammatory PCOS, if you don't have insulin resistance, which is showing up in blood, like with on your blood sugars or insulin levels, or you don't have fat, um, you don't have weight issues, basically, and uh, you don't have cravings and things like that, maybe kind of typical signs of insulin resistance. Um, whereas inflammatory PCOS, you may have issues with like gut health. Uh, you may have like IBS. You may have skin issues like um, psoriasis or eczema and um, like a lot of headaches. These could be signs of in inflammation in the body as well um, alongside, say, a regular period. But you may not have the weight as well. So that would be inflammatory on its own. But remember, I said you could have inflammation and insulin resistance together as well. With infl infl inflammatory PCOS, the approach would be a kind of, again, like a Mediterranean style diet would be most beneficial or recommended. Um, Again, so like your lean proteins, really good healthy fats, uh, legumes and um, whole grains and things like that, uh, high fat dairy or full fat dairy uh, sparingly um, is, is, is beneficial and then it was low alcohol content and things like that as well and fruits and vegetables of course, so that would be the one for that type of PCOS. And then finally, stress or adrenal PCOS is when your adrenals are also producing like a testosterone called DHEAS, which is another um, form of an androgen that causes acne and hair growth and things like that and impairs ovulation. And adrenal PCOS can occur when you're maybe a bit burnt out, your cortisol levels are a bit through the roof, you're constantly pumping out cortisol and your adrenals are just a little bit uh, stressed out so it's it's not like adrenal fatigue which is often thrown around but it's what's called the hpa axis so the hypothalamic pituitary and adrenal axis is impaired this is like our stress our nervous system um pathway so we really the, the best approach with this type is to reduce stress get more sleep do more things for yourself, do more things for fun and joy, and also um, eat blood sugar balanced diet. Protein with each meal every three to four hours is the number one thing you can do to signal to the adrenals that it's safe and nourished, and you're not constantly requiring cortisol then to take sugar from your cells to fuel you, because that's what actually starts to happen when we are stressed out. So yeah, that's a summary of the different types, and um, yeah, I hope that explains it okay. <laughs> Oh, it's good. It's really good. I guess the biggest thing to understand anyone is like that, you know, just because you got PCOS doesn't mean that you, you can't um, have like get the same fat loss. I kind of look at it is that, you know, just say if you have someone that's, if you've got Sally who's driving to from Belfast to Cork in the car, and then you might have Joanna who's like walking from Cork to Belfast. So Joanna's got PCOS. And to me, like, it's like that PCOS is still going to get the results. It just might take a little bit longer, more patience, but I guess yeah. it's just how you take the right approach. Like the biggest thing for me is once I can get my clients to start like, you know, using food for fuel, because no matter what happens, like fat loss and weight loss for me and my clients comes from like a deficit. But if I can get my clients to look at food for fuel, they already have a better mindset towards food. And then sticking to a deficit, like a small deficit is going to be far more sustainable like than yeah. you know, this whole thing of calories. And I think I seen a coach last week online and, I made a video about it, but his whole thing was like that. 
you know, telling people that you should, same coach actually who put me a thousand calories when I signed up to his thing, but he was saying that you should, you know, exercise more so you can like save more calories so you can then like have pizza on the weekend. And to me, like that's such a negative mindset towards food to have that like mindset that you should exercise yeah. to, you know, eat a slice of pizza. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's a restrictive mindset rather than exercising for fuel or sorry, eating for fuel. And um, it's a more like abundance type mindset, like you're allowing yourself more to do more, basically, and be able to use your body more and you get stronger and fitter as a result as well. The one thing I'd say with PCOS clients and uh, what I, my approach is with them is they a lot of them come to me with not just fat loss as an issue. There's so many other things like they have a low sex drive they have low energy levels they're craving they're through the roof and um, their skin is a mess or they've got excess hair growth and um, they just don't feel good about themselves not just from a, a fat loss and their hormones are just you know all over the place so like n- to not just focus on fat loss as a primary end point or like you know the only you know marker of progress to start like if you notice that your cravings are reduced that's a big one that's a, a big improvement for you or a big win you start to notice that you know maybe your sex drive is increasing or your energy levels are improving you're not needing that 3 p.m caffeine to get you through the day or you're not needing a nap during the day you're actually able to get through it you're sleeping better your mood is better you start to maybe notice changes in your skin your digestion also could improve all of these things are other markets to, to focus on and not just fat loss because if you just focus on fat loss as the only thing that means you're doing well it can be quite debilitating because you know yourself you're not going to lose weight every week or you're not going to lose measurements every week and that just doesn't happen so if you're constantly looking at that as your only marker of progress it can be very frustrating and um, and deflating whereas if you look at everything else in the bigger picture and your overall quality of life is improving you can really start to notice that you're making massive progress and leaps and bounds from where you started off with because there's more to health than just fat loss like if you're craving constantly and you're low in energy and have a low sex drive and feeling depressed, that's not health. Um, and then if you start to focus just on fat loss as a result, the only result that you can, that you want to achieve, adding all that together, is going to be quite, you know, frustrating. Whereas if you start to focus on just improving your, all those other things, and then you start to become more healthy and happier as a person, Fat loss can nearly come as a side benefit, nearly. That's what I find can happen. And, um, you know, when you educate properly, obviously, as well, and, and, and tell them how to eat well or educate them how to eat well, more so than tell them. <laughs> That's so true. I suppose from that, like, when we look at, like, um, so say craving and stuff. So, obviously, you know, on the week before, you know, your cycle is due, what generally happens in the body in terms of, like, hormones and glucose and the likes of, like, PMS and stuff? Yeah, so when I was talking about like the different hormones after ovulation or when we ovulate, what happens is like to kind of summarize it really briefly, like the follicles on the eggs, uh, on the ovary, sorry, are developing in the follicular phase. So it's follicles develop in the follicular phase and they are producing estrogen. And this happens in the first two weeks of, your, of a 28 day cycle. So I'm just going to use a 28 day cycle for a simplistic of cases. And uh, not everyone has that and it doesn't mean you're abnormal. So in a 28 day cycle, the first 14 days or the first two weeks, the follicles will be developing on the ovaries. Um, and this will start from the day that you get your period. So day one of the cycle is the, day, is the day you get your period. And the follicles start developing from that day and produce estrogen. So remember I said estrogen is like your yang, high energy, really sexy energy hormone, basically. Make you feel great, boost, um, boost your sex drive, your skin and hair. It helps with you, your it lowers your appetite. So it actually suppresses your appetite. Um, and it also... Um, increases your um ability to to your to be stronger so estrogen and t- testosterone both rise in the lead up to ovulation so that's why you may notice feeling better energy wise but also feeling stronger in the gym so it's a great time to push yourself and maybe do a few more exercise sessions go up a little bit in weight really push yourself that way, those two weeks and uh, particularly the week before ovulation and around ovulation you're very very strong then after ovulation, uh, estrogen drops and then progesterone, you make progesterone. Progesterone is supposed to come in and shield you from that estrogen drop because when estrogen drops, 
obviously you're losing all those benefits of high energy and all of that kind of thing. So progesterone kind of swoops in to kind of save you from that. And it kind of is a more calming and a soothing hormone. Um, and it, what it does though, it does rev up your metabolism. So it boosts your thyroid hormone and increases your te- temperature. So this is why we get more cravings because we're actually just more hungry and, and we're, our cells are less, again, sensitive to insulin at this stage of the cycle. Okay, so uh, in the first phase of the cycle, we utilize carbohydrates really, really well. This is probably more so for non-PCOS people, but in, in, on a general level, we utilize carbohydrates really, really well. In the latter phase of the cycle, we need more protein fats in our diet to balance our blood sugars and for us to be more satiated. So uh, this helps reduce cravings. So the reason why we kind of crave more carbs at this stage of the cycle is we've got a little bit more insulin and glucose maybe flowing around the bloodstream because our cells are not responding as well. Because remember, estrogen is an insulin sensitizing hormone. So we don't have the benefits of estrogen at this phase of the cycle. So we've got more progesterone. So that's why... Really, to make it simple, you just need to um, eat more proteins and fats at this phase of the cycle. Also, up your calories. You're going to be more hungry. Not everyone will be more hungry, but it is just nice to have that flexibility that if you are, you have the room to have a bit more calories. Um, because, as I said, your metabolism is revved up a little bit more. So approximately two to 300 more calories could you use perfectly. As the metabolism is revved up, it's also burning the equivalent amount of calories so you're not actually gaining weight yes you may feel a little bit more bloated and uncomfortable but that's not fat and that's important to remember it's a bit more fluid retention salt retention and salt can cause that as well and you're just being a little bit more uncomfortable also remember your um you're basically the, the uterine lining is building up so that's actually causing a bit of weight around your abdominal area as well so all of these things can cause you to be a little bit more heavier and uncomfortable and uh, every woman i think feels a bit fat feels fat at this stage of the cycle but it's important just to know that like this subsides it's fluid retention it's a bit of bloating I do encourage um you know fluid intake and you know up your water but also like drinking herbal teas like chamomile and ginger can be really beneficial because it kind of soothes the digestive tract and uh, increases circulation so promoting good blood flow which helps kind of reduce that bloating as well and but yeah that's really what's happening around cravings you are going to feel a little bit like a lot of women do feel a bit more hungry and because of that metabolism uh, bump up and so eating more proteins and fats is really beneficial. So high protein, a good bit of fats. Like when I say fats, you can have nuts and seeds. And I think oily fish is great for satiation. And they'd be really, really beneficial. And, and then getting like good quality protein. So lean meat, uh, red meat can be beneficial. Cottage cheese, Greek yogurt. You can have a protein powder, uh, protein yogurt as well. Uh, and they'd be really good for getting that extra bit of protein in as well. And what happens then with PMS? Like, what's the what happens in, in PMS? What goes? Can you kind of go that a wee bit? Yeah, sure. So with PMS, um, it's a common issue, but it's not normal. And the reason that you may get more about PMS is when you're not making enough progesterone. So if you make enough progesterone you will not have the bad PMS. So progesterone, as I say, is that anti-anxiety, the soothing hormone reduces cravings. Um, it, it helps reduce period pain because, um, yeah, again, it's an anti-inflammatory hormone. So all of these benefits of progesterone will protect you from PMS. The issue with, with PMS is that either you have an ovulation or you have ovulated, but you're not keeping your progesterone. Progesterone is really sensitive to stress. So if we're in any way stressed, we are going to, um, cortisol will be converted to uh, allopregnanolone, which is the mother hormone of progesterone, will be converted to cortisol instead. So uh, it's a stress hormone. And cortisol also steals pregnanolone and um, stops you making progesterone. So essentially, any sort of stress that we have in the body is going to stop us from making progesterone. So stress can look like lack, poor quality sleep, uh, maybe a bit of alcohol intake. Alcohol can stress the body out that week or, you know, during that month. Um, high busy work month, for example, could just cause you not to keep enough progesterone that month. Various factors can come into it as well. Like, so definitely looking at your stress. And there is some supplements that can really help with this stage of the cycle. And that are magnesium and vitamin B6. 
Uh, these combined are anti-inflammatory um, and they soothe the nervous system and they help uh, manufacture um, progesterone and GABA, which is another um, anti-anxiety and, and sleep-inducing neurotransmitter, which acts like really well during uh, PMS. Which to help soothe PMS. So it's a really good supplement to take during that phase of the cycle. Um, so yeah, that's the reason that they're the main kind of reasons you'd be having PMS. It's like, it's not normal. It, again, obviously looking at your diet, if you're not eating a blood sugar balanced diet, it's one of the main things I look at with, with clients. It's really important with PMS. Again, a blood sugar balanced diet is something I encourage for everyone, whether it's PCOS or not. Uh, it's again, um, balancing those blood sugars with proteins and fiber and some fats. Um, and it's really, um, that helps as well with PMS because it's signaling satiety, safety, nourishment. Um, yeah, so they're, they're the main things when, when it comes to to PMS and, and in terms of why you're getting it you're not ovulating and the reason you may not be ovulating you need to look into that it could be just a stressed out month could be the, it could be PCOS or then there is the fact that you're not keeping the progesterone that you're making after ovulation because you're highly stressed and um, there's inflammation in the body and um, so looking at like you know what exercise are you doing are you doing enough exercise because exercise again is good for inflammation and and you know reducing it um are you eating a highly inflammatory diet? Is there lots of processed foods in your diet? Is there a lot of sugar, a lot of fats, a lot of um, alcohol and salt? All of those things will exasperate it as well. Um, so it, it's important to look at those factors too. So um, yeah, your diet's very important. And when I think it really just come down to fruits, vegetables, whole grains, blood sugar balance, protein with each meal, uh, doing some exercise you know, during the week, and then doing something for yourself as well, for your nervous system. I always encourage clients to do 20 minutes of something for themselves every day for their nervous system. So whether that's a walk in nature, whether it's yoga, whether it's adult coloring books, meditation, podcasts, whatever it is for you, do something for yourself because that creates a um, a really calm um, nervous system. Basically, it induces the parasympathetic nervous state, which is the rest and digest mode, which is very, very beneficial for overall body and hormones. Yeah, I think that's so true. But like, I think like a lot of people don't understand that. Like, our body is like you know they're saying our body is a temple. Our body is a temple. Our body is like a machine. And like, if you don't look at it, like we just say if, if you bought a brand new Mercedes car, for argument's sake, or whatever BMW, like if we brought a brand new car, spent all our savings in the car, we'd we'd make sure we look after that car. Like we go to the BMW garage, we get tested, we do all the service and get the proper oils. But then when it comes to our body, I think like so much people don't see their body how they should. They don't like don't view their body in like a Ferrari car, just saying like there's like when we look at our body, like our body isn't really going to work very well if we're not doing all the right stuff. Like if we're not getting enough sleep, if we're not like doing yeah. like even like just meditation, clearing the mind, doing journaling, like if we're not feeding our body the yeah. right foods and fuel, like our body isn't really going to, it's not going to run right. And that's the biggest thing that I probably learned even with COVID is that like we need to be looking after body and doing so much like to our body to get it up to a point where it's working for us. So I suppose yeah. with that being said, then if we go into like, with food and stuff what's your kind of thoughts around like food and relationships with food and stuff like that like having a better relationship with food yeah um i suppose it's, it depends on where their client is starting from but if they've come from a cycle of restriction and you know cutting a, years of fad dieting which a lot of people women and men have um really it's an education to try and encourage them to look at food, food for fuel, that their body is actually allowed food and it deserves to eat food and that it's not going to gain a mile, a pile of weight just because you actually start to eat properly for yourself. Um, yeah, like it can be a challenge for someone. It depends on where they're starting from, but um, really like I encourage them to and, and help them really and coach them on removing the guilt from eating foods that they enjoy. I, I like I encourage them to actually have foods that they enjoy more often, so that it's not uh, you know uh, a treat food that they only have say a weekend or once a month, and then they'll nearly binge it because it's so off limits most of the time. And when I often would see that with clients who completely restrict chocolate during the week, and um, because they think like you're not allowed this, and then at the weekend 
they eat nearly more of their calories in chocolate and sweets because they've completely restricted during the week. Whereas I encourage clients to actually allow themselves to have that in a mindful way. So where what I, what I mean by that is that they have, you know, say their, their thing is chocolate, that they eat it at the kitchen table and they actually take the time to savour it and enjoy it and have the pleasure from it as such, rather than eating it mindlessly, say, in front of the TV and um, scoffing it back, not actually noticing that they're eating it um, or not attuned to what they're eating. And then they nearly feel guilty about that as well. So I, I encourage them to actually take the time to have take pleasure from the food that they enjoy. Uh, also, like, with relationship to food being mindful is really important so actually sitting and enjoying your food taking pleasure from all food so really slowing down and eating and um, eating at the table uh, chewing the food carefully this has a load of benefits and not only in relationship to food but your digestion as well and how much you actually eat you'll start to um you may not eat as much as a result because your brain catches up quicker when you eat more slowly that you're full but this can really improve your relationship with food as well and um, because you actually start to notice more what you're eating you're taking pleasure from what you're eating and and um, enjoying the experience of eating which it should be it shouldn't be something that we do to you know punish ourselves or um because we have to do it like food is a, a pleasure as well as a necessity as a food refuel so that, that that's something that i educate clients on as well um, but I really like to remove that restrictive mindset and move into a more abundance type of mindset where it's a bit more, it's, it's about more rather than less uh, and more of the good stuff. And like that they actually want to eat nutritious food for their bodies, but they also know that a weekend away isn't going to completely derail their progress. And um, just as one healthy weekend would make you you know, really fit and healthy either. You know, that's the way I like to say it. If you went on a one weekend of eating well, you're not suddenly going to be amazingly healthy. Whereas the opposite would go if you have one weekend of, you know, not being that healthy or, you know, enjoying yourself. It's not going to make you really, I don't know, derail your progress, gain weight or whatever. You may gain a little bit of water weight or a few pounds, but easily managed get back on it with healthy nutritious food and everything is back to normal really the next week again so um there are a few things I suppose with relation with food it really does depend on context on on the client and every client is different but uh, like when it comes to restricted eating it's, it's just about um getting them to a point that they're comfortable with and this can take time but um that they're able to you know start incorporating the fun foods as well as the nutritious foods as part of their life and know that it's okay to have them and not feel guilty about it yeah, I love that. That's probably kind of good approach. I mean, one tip I've done, like anyone I talk to my clients, like, you know, if they're having chocolate, like break up the chocolate into smaller pieces because that's really how my clients is. If they get a cabbage yeah. chocolate, like just open up and break it up and have it in the fridge because what happens is that if you've got a whole bar and opened, as soon as you're feeling like, you know, emotional or you feel that kind of trigger, you'll have the whole bar. Whereas with my client is, I'll get them like to you know, either get a protein bar, break it up into pieces or like get their Kit Kat and break it up into smaller pieces. And like Dave says that when they've done that, it's in the fridge that when they get that trigger, when they're feeling that want to indulge the whole packet, goes to the fridge and the chocolate's already there, but it's in like smaller squares. So rather than having the whole chocolate, they've actually had a, had a square and they've had to take time to eat the chocolate. And then by the time mm -hmm. the two or three squares, you know, and that to me like has been the most efficient way to help them because you know, if you've got the whole thing in front of you, you'll eat it all. But if you have it in little pieces, you have to individually get a piece, chew it, and you're still getting the same glucose. You're still getting that yeah, yeah. sugar hit. But like, that's what a lot of people don't understand is like your body does no difference between like a bar of soap and your left shoe. It just wants glucose. So my tip yeah, yeah. my client is like break down the chocolate into smaller pieces and you're still getting the sugar hit. But it means that you're not going to have that guilt of oh, I just I've just had the whole bar yeah. of chocolate afterwards because a lot of people yeah, do that yeah. is that they'll associate like eating the whole chocolate, eating chocolate and then they'll get into a vicious cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And just when you say emotional eating there as well, like food is a comfort uh, for people and it's a, a tool that they use but uh, it shouldn't be our only tool and that's something I, I guess I need to look at as well is developing like a toolbox um, where they have a few things that they turn to in, in, in the case of feeling bad so whether that's sad or angry or frustrated or stressed 
or lonely, which a lot of people may have felt during lockdown earlier on, like last year anyway. And, you know, there was a lot of maybe loneliness uh, going on back then. And like a lot of people may have turned to food and that's okay. And I think we need to remove the... The, the, the guilt around that as well like that may have helped you in there in that time that's okay but it is important that it, like everything you don't want to rely on just one thing to get you through because it becomes uh, like a reliance as such and an, and an over-reliance then so really developing a toolbox to help you get through uh, stressful times or emotional times as such so you know what again this can be different for everyone but like having you know friends to talk to to call or going for a walk in nature can be really good for lowering stress and calming you down and um, doing maybe a nice yoga flow painting drawing listening to music dancing it out whatever it is for yourself like these are just tips or like suggestions more so but I really encourage clients to start listening to what they what would actually work for them so after say an episode where they have maybe overrated bar of chocolate I get them to reflect on that I ask them what happened for you what was going on for you at that time and they could have had a really stressful day at work and they just wanted to, to numb it and to just eat a load of chocolate to make them give that sugar hit to give them that dopamine hit to make them feel a little bit better and uh, so it, it's it's not really the chocolate that is the thing it's more just they want that comfort and uh, factor from and the dopamine hit. But there's other ways of getting that dopamine hit and lowering that stress. So in that time of reflection, I get them to look at what other things could you have done that may have helped you feel less stressed or um, may have just made you feel a little bit more comforted. Because that's what you want. You want to feel comforted. What else can make you feel comfort? So that could be individual for every person obviously so I get them to write out a few things and have that ready for the next time maybe they feel like that it may not work the next time but again reflection what could they have done again and just it kind of just kind of gets into the brain that like okay there's other things that I can do other than eating chocolate here that makes me feel better and comforted so why don't I try going out for a walk in nature maybe going to a forest going to the beach listening to some really fun happy music and just chilling out or else calling a friend on the walk something like that and just getting out of your head uh, could be just as beneficial and you could come back and feel a lot lot better and um, this does depend on everyone though I'm not saying that like walking is going to work for everyone but there is other ways you can comfort yourself obviously you don't want to turn to the likes of alcohol and smoking and drugs and things like that as a, as a measure of comfort but like the other kind of more beneficial um interventions are, are definitely something to look at so like I'd recommend for anyone who does struggle with emotional eating or stressful eating or binge eating to write down five things that they could do in a state that they uh, find themselves in whether that's stressed or anxious or frustrated or angry what could they do to comfort themselves in that time have a list of five things that would help them and that maybe they could turn to instead of eating and um, the chocolate or whatever their food is and um, in that time and just you know that can be just even comforting in itself to know that there's something else that you can do and that you can turn to to help you yeah definitely 100 i i think like that i think a lot of people have like when this when you hear the word binge they've kind of put a label on it because you know there's a huge difference between like emotional eating and 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 you know disordered eating but i think like so much people have put a label on like binge eating as if like yeah it's like it's a bad thing but you know i will binge and you'll probably binge like i'll know that if i restrict my calories i'll end up binging on ice cream i know if i'm like don't eat regular meals i'll binge in even time i know like i will binge so i think for me is that binging isn't it's not as bad as you know a lot of people have a label on it but there's a lot of stuff mm -hmm. we can do to maybe because i will binge but like i don't see it as that bad label but for me like like in your opinion, how could someone like prevent themselves from like binging? Yeah, it comes back to what we were saying earlier. Like our body doesn't run on thin air. We need food for fuel. It comes back to our body from an evolutionary point of view is built to for safety and, for, and protection and nourishment. And that's what we strive for. So like when we're not eating every enough during the day, the body gets into stress mode and will basically it's smart it knows what foods will um satisfy you and give you that high hit of energy so it knows that high sugary food will do that so if you haven't eaten enough all day 
you're, you're going to crave those foods. And um, so, yeah, when it comes to binging, it's really important that we're actually like looking at what did you eat during the day? Like you said, if you skip a meal or skip a few meals, you don't eat regularly, your body is not, it's hungry. It's simply hungry. And it, it starts to crave high sugary, high fatty foods. And then you may overeat them because they are satiating, they're tasty, they're really satisfying and you need the energy and then you feel guilty about it. When I look at uh, clients who, who report to binge eat or feel they binge eat, typically they have low protein breakfast, low protein lunch, maybe a high protein dinner, like a typical meat, veg dinner. Um, and then after dinner, they're like, I just couldn't stop eating ice cream, chocolate, crisps, cake. And I was like, yeah, because you literally weren't satisfying yourself enough throughout the day. Uh, you need to have protein and carbs with every meal to satisfy yourself, to satiate yourself, to nourish yourself. So that's a simple, a simple thing I start with is actually to start eating enough. Three regular meals a day, having your snacks in between. Again, your snacks can be protein and fiber combination, uh, and that can make the world of difference. And then also allowing the client to, to have the food that they normally binge on. So if their typical binge is chocolate, uh, I'm not going to say you can't have that. I encourage them to eat the three regular meals of protein and carbs and also allow themselves to have that chocolate in the evening. And by the few weeks in, they find they're not even needing that chocolate anymore because they are actually nourished and satiated and are basically balance their blood sugars and reduce that crave, that binge need as such. So yeah, that's... Um, definitely like there is emotional aspect to binging for sure but there's also physiological aspects to it and like how you're nourishing yourself and how what way you're eating so definitely I encourage clients to eat every three to four hours eat protein carbs at each meal and um allow themselves the food that they want to have because if you have a food in a box that's restricted you're just going to want to open up that box and eat it more and more and more so um allow yourself to have it if it's you know within limits and it's allowed then your your brain is kind of like oh i can have that if i want uh, maybe i will maybe i won't whereas if it's off limits you're like i really want that oh my god i really 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 want that and you'll just you, it'll be on your mind all day and then you'll end up just kind of probably overeating it that evening or binging whatever you want to describe it as that evening yeah probably like this whole like you know this whole like cheat meal um word as well mm, isn't it yeah you know, like you wouldn't yeah, cheat yeah. on your you wouldn't cheat on your partner so there should be like there should be no like cheat Hope meal <laughs> it's mad yeah, isn't yeah. it like you shouldn't need to like yeah. wait till the weekend to have a cheat meal have a burger and chips just have it like just have it like as normal but i think the biggest yeah, thing for me it. is i think the biggest thing for me is that my uh, client is like understand them that like especially with their partners is to try to educate their partners too because you know, unfortunately for a male and female, if you've got a male and female and, you know, they're eating the exact same foods, it's going to be more detrimental for the female than the male. And that's the biggest thing I'll see is like with couples is that, you know, the, the, the male, the lad will cook the dinner and he'll have the exact same food portion for the female. And then it's more, and the female will obviously she'll eat all the food, but, you know, unfortunately there needs to be more education around, not that it needs to be specific meals, but, you know, a female yeah. will generally need a lot less food than a male. They just won't need as much, basically. That's it. Like, if you go out with a guy and, and you eat with them, like, they're going to eat more than you. Like, especially if they're, like, a big lad. The bands, obviously, like, you know, but like, generally, like, they have... um women have more fat cells than men anyway that's one thing that's different between us they also tend to be bigger in most cases in terms of height and muscle mass so yeah they do need more calories than us uh, females and so they will eat a little bit more so their portion sizes would be bigger so yeah like do do like again a, a small guide with portion sizes is to kind of go by your hand i don't know if you ever use that one it's just a rough guide it's it, it, it's not like completely accurate but like you know for protein should be like the palm size and um, so like your hand and my hands would be completely different sizes. Do you know what I mean? So my portion would be smaller than yours, I'd imagine. So, um, you know, like going by that, again, a fistful size of carbohydrates and then like, you know, two two handfuls of vegetables is kind of a good guideline uh, to go for. And then a thumb size of fat um, is what they, they recommend. And that's kind of a general guideline um, for, for fortune sizes for, for like an individual approach because everyone's hand is going to be different or everyone's hand size is going to be different. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like it is, women do need smaller portions than men. Um, but like, again, if say, if say a woman is doing a lot of exercise, uh, 
you know, and doing a lot of training and mm. doing maybe, you know, they would actually need more portion, they need a higher portion intake as well. So it does come down to individual circumstances as well and, and what's going on for that in person at the time. Um, but yeah, like it, it's um, definitely like if you were having a partner, it's good to have them in on it with you. Like, so like mm. it makes it easier for sure. <laughs> no, for sure. I guess before we go there, be like what would be, what would be your five biggest tips like you give for any female to have like a better female health, like just for overall female health, what would be your five like tips that you'd recommend? Oh God. Okay. And <laughs> uh, what would be five biggest tips? Okay. Firstly, I think getting to know the cycle is a really important skill. Every woman should know, be aware of their hormones, uh, how if they're ovulating or not, getting in, in touch with those cues. If you don't know about that, I'm not going to go into it now, but it's on my page and um, on my MG Nutrition Instagram page. Like I've got loads of stuff on that because I just think it's really important that we are aware of our, our cycle and our hormones and how they work when we're getting our period, when we're ovulating, uh, we don't get pregnant every day in the cycle. It's not possible. There's a fertile window in the middle of the cycle. Knowing that is really, really helpful, whether you want to delay pregnancy or whether you're trying to conceive. Really important to know that. And I think that's a good thing for all women to know. Um, what I would say tips for female health is to look at food as fuel, as you would say yourself as well, and to be more abundant with it rather than being restrictive, having more of it, having more um, variety in your diet, uh, having starchy vegetables that um, are so beneficial for the nervous system and um, having a good healthy fat in there, proteins. So, you know, eating more not being afraid of food not being afraid of hunger actually like when you're hungry to honor that hunger listen to your hunger cues and not look at it as a negative thing and don't wear hunger as a badge of honor badge of honor that you've actually gone a few hours without eating that's not a good thing you're putting your body into stress mode uh, you're raising stress hormones so that would be another thing i would say to honor your hunger um, and listen to your hunger and, and satiety cues um Three female health would be move your body uh, for you. Uh, definitely doing some form of resistance type training. Um, I've only started doing it in the last year or so, and it's been a game changer for me with my PCOS. Um, it really has, on, on top of a few other things, but it's, I definitely think it's one thing that's helped. Uh, I'm by no means an expert in it at all. Like I'm not a PT or anything. Like I get people to help show me how to do things. So, you know, always ask for advice in the gym because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm completely nutritionist based. I'm not exercise uh, educated at all. Um, so, you know, I, I, I get advice, but I think it's a really important thing to do and also move your body for what you enjoy. I love to do slow yoga and walking. There are things I genuinely enjoy doing and I do them for, for me and for my downtime, but also for movement, but do something for you that you genuinely enjoy as well. Um, and that brings me into, I suppose, for female health, do something for your nervous system and your mind every day, 20 minutes, do something for you. Uh, I think that's a really important one that we women neglect we often put other people first we're carers we're givers and um, you know we'll put ourselves at last on the list nearly especially mothers I see but a lot of women do they, they just um, it, it maybe it's a genetic thing I don't know what it is but especially Irish women really all an Irish mums, you know really put people first before their own needs so yeah. really encourage um, women to put themselves you know as their priority like you know as you said like you would you know with a Mercedes car you'd look after that like it was your pride and joy do the same for your own body and um, because then you can be there for people better you're less stressed you're less frustrated you're you're kinder to your loved ones as a result uh, you feel better and um, but yeah do something 20 minutes is all I would say that could be journaling it could be meditation it could be if you live near nice places go to the beach for a nice moonlit stroll or a sunset stroll um, or forest walk anything really that works for you jigsaws watching just a funny movie or a funny show even just to get away and do something for yourself a pamper night even something like that I think that's four uh five um <laughs> you really put I'm me on the spot, spot here now and <laughs> um, for female health Okay, I think they're the main ones anyway. If you're doing those, you're doing really, really well. Um, yeah. Obviously, this is looking after your lifestyle in general, like sleep and all that general stuff. Having yeah. a bit of fun in your life, don't neglect fun. Um, 
Yeah, like I suppose I'm kind of repeating myself there, but like I think the first four are the really important yeah. ones, and then like you know, um, the last one can be just anyone to like sleep, having a bit of fun in your life, and yeah. allowing yourself fun, and and removing that guilt that you have to be perfect, perfect all the time. Yeah, I think again, like a lot of women, they think they need to be. Uh, there, there's a lot of perfectionism in them as well um, yes. and that can be to their detriment where that they have to do everything right and that stresses them out even more and we don't have to do that question yourself where does this need to be perfect all the time come from what are you afraid of why are you afraid of failing who are you letting down you know where does this come from that's where journaling can come really and it become really useful when you start to question these kind of things um, and also maybe just reaching out for help too obviously with a coach or maybe therapy sometimes you may need both but um you know sometimes getting that extra help can be so beneficial for you know getting to the root issues of like why maybe you're doing these things why there's perfectionism there why you put other people before yourself uh, things like that can be really helpful to get to the root of and to improve your own overall health as well no, that's perfect that was um, that was good some good five tips there but that was really good. It was like, I suppose, before you go, where could people find you if I want to find you, Mary? Yeah, so on Instagram, really, it's the main place at the moment. I'm getting a website done, but it's not ready. Um, but on Instagram, it's Nutrition. So it's nj.nutrition underscore. Um, so that's how you find me. <laughs> yeah, I think if you put in, I think if you put in MJ Nutrition, it should come up anyway. Um, yeah. Or even Mary, Mary Jo as well will come up. <laughs> that was good. That was really good to have you on. Like, that was a, like a lot of stuff there. So, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. People Thank find you. It Thank you for having me on as well. And I'm going to share this on my own podcast too, uh, with your permission. Oh, <laughs> and, easy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, people will get to hear it too, but I do think there's a, a bit in it that they can learn from whether you got peace to ask or not. There's loads oh, of stuff in there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, thanks for having me on. It was great. That was good. Amazing. Okay. <laughs>